podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Salah. Escape Cancela. Oh, it's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a goal and scored a beauty. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans. De Bruyne. That is what... Martinelli gorgeous. Still going up. Oh, he's done it again. Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, Riley Finn. It's game week 35, and you know what that means. It's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable. Spicy, spicy weekend. And I was talking to the guest beforehand of, you know, the, the weekend games, the implications of that. Me not having the, I want to say, ability to celebrate that Liverpool result too hard, you know, um, considering there were Spurs people in, in the house. But um, Riley... Were you able to sort of, I don't know how you would have reacted to, to your team's result this past weekend. Um, obviously, it was the first game of the weekend, Crystal Palace versus West Ham. But how are you feeling going to this podcast? Welcome. It's been a while. Um, how been a while, you feel, yeah. How are you feeling about that result in West Ham where they sit at the moment? Well, it's funny uh, you say, how do you react to the celebrations? Because um, I actually went undercover in the Crystal Palace home end. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> so, but technically, um, I wasn't allowed to celebrate regardless <laughs> of the result. Um, and uh, Palace had this weird thing where every single time they score a goal, they sing a song and then start clapping. So I basically just sat there with everyone stood up, <laughs> like, clapping every single time they conceded, which was four times, by the way. Um, and everyone just seems to clapping in my face. But... Yeah, I mean, Palace completely dominated us. You've got a football club there with um, like a real kind of direction. You, you, you could tell what their game plan was. Yeah. Uh, with West Ham, it was just, yeah, they, we. it's the same thing with Moyes. There's no sort of direction. There's no sort of clear output. Like their focal point was getting the ball into Ayu, getting the ball into Elise and isolating the fullbacks, uh, allowing Eze to drive into the open space that was created. Um, they knew that if they, if they pass the ball around quickly, then it would, it would just be curtains for us. And West Ham just sort of seemed to have this like lump it up the field, maybe, and they didn't really have anyone to play through. Like they, they didn't use Paqueta as a focal point or Antonio. They just, I mean, we got three very lucky set piece goals. Really, um, the penalty was a bit disappointing yeah. uh, at, at the time. I thought it was clear cut, but uh, it just shows how good of a dive it was because I, I think it, looking back, it was quite a soft penalty, but. You know, can't really complain too much. I'd argue we're all but safe at the moment. Uh, Crystal Palace are on the up. Uh, I suppose it's just one of those games, really. But conceding four times to Crystal Palace and that yearly Jordan IU goal, you see, he took his top off for the, for the equaliser. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that was a little bit strange at the time. I know he doesn't score too often, but uh, he, lo- he loves a goal against us, clearly. There, there were a few people that took their tops off in moments when I thought they shouldn't. Um <laughs> Indeed, but yeah, I, I thought I thought that was maybe a bit of an, an overreaction. Can can people, you know, scale their celebrations depending on how impactful they are? But yeah, you mentioned Wolves. I mean, West Ham are probably safe. You, you sort of have to squint at the table and and, and think that they're they're certainly safe, or a f- couple of results going their way away from being safe. But there are some midweek games, obviously not going to break those down, but I'm sure we can at least discuss them from a bird's eye view. Um, tonight, at time of recording, there's Leicester Everton. I mean, that has implications for not just them, but all the teams around that relegation zone. Yeah, um, I, I would argue that Leeds have got a really, really tough run in. Uh, Leicester have got a really, really tough run in. So have Everton. Uh 
I, I, I'm still not convinced on Forest at the moment as well. I think pretty much from Wolves down, you would say there there are arguments to suggest that they could go down. I, I think West Ham will be fine though because we have got Leeds and we have got uh, uh, who else we got? Is it uh, Leicester as well? Sorry. Yeah. So for me, I think you win one of those, and I'd argue you're probably safe. But yeah, two clubs that could honestly a season where Leicester and Everton both go down would be absolutely crazy. Um, considering all three promoted sides as well would uh, would end up staying up. But yeah, I think probably most teams would be hoping for a draw in that one. I think that would be the best result. But yeah, whoever wins that one, I would argue, is probably going to be staying up and the other team is probably going to be going down along with Leeds. Yeah, very, very important game. I mean, on the other side of the table, um, equally as important, Arsenal versus Chelsea. Now, usually, you know, London derby, Arsenal versus Chelsea, a big game. It's a big game in terms of context of the title race, but is it necessarily a big game in terms of performance? I mean, Chelsea are struggling at the moment. I've, I've been the biggest critic of Lampard um, as a manager. I, I think he keeps failing upwards. Uh, I don't get how he keeps getting these jobs. Um, mm-hmm. But Arsenal haven't been playing well recently. So is this the perfect game for them in terms of it's big enough in the eyes of let's say, casual fans, where they look at it, Arsenal versus Chelsea, if they go win that, it might be seen as a big win. But in terms of actual context of how the teams have been playing this season, it should, on paper, be quite comfortable for Arsenal to navigate this one. It should, but I feel like in these sorts of fixtures where teams like you know Tottenham or Chelsea, whenever they're playing quite bad and they end up playing a big six side, they, they tend to turn up for it. So I'm not sure it's as as clear cut as that. Um, I think Arsenal have kind of lost momentum, lost mentality. Uh, they got quite a young side. I don't know if that's playing into it at all, but uh, they've completely capitulated. And, you know, City have a game in hand, which is against West Ham, by the way. So you'd, you'd imagine they're going to win that. Um, and Arsenal need maximum points just to get a chance, just to get a sniff at the title that was more or less in their hands uh, with a couple of games ago. Um definitely be an interesting game but um you'd think that if there's any time for Arsenal to turn a corner it's going to be now to to prove to themselves that we're going to at least take it to the final day of the season that would that would be my argument you know you don't want City winning it with two or three games to go having been in the position you've been in yeah that's fair um Liverpool versus Fulham sort of the race for European spots for those teams I mean I've, I've been saying for a while now I don't think Liverpool are making the Champions League maybe they're now primed for that fifth position they're certainly in the in 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 the comfortable seat they're looking at the teams behind them chasing them Fulham they had an outside chance of Europe had they've been stuttering of late do you sort of write them off now for for an outside chance of getting into those European spots with the form of the teams above them the Brightons the Aston Villas um, obviously Tottenham in sixth place but they need to fix things themselves it, it's sort of a game where in my opinion Liverpool need to just go and win if they want to continue this charge for European football. It's three games at home. It's going to be for Liverpool, and we'll discuss the third one later on. Um, yeah, I think it's a good time for Liverpool to play Fulham. This Fulham If Fulham don't win this, it probably writes them out of the, the competition for those European places. Yeah, I mean, they're already nine points off. I think Villa, Brighton, Brentford are all quite far ahead of them. The momentum yeah. they had early in the season has kind of dissipated a little bit. Probably because they've lost players like Mitrovic. Uh, that, that's definitely helped them struggle a lot. And I'd say Liverpool are kind of getting back into a kind of flow of things. It's been a tough season for them, switching to a number nine, obviously losing Sadio Mane, uh, a, a midfield that really is just lacking in a bit of youth and a bit of uh, energy. Um, having Curtis Jones introduced to it, I think, is probably a, a good thing for you guys. Um, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd see Liverpool winning that pretty comfortably. It's not the the same fixture it would have been uh, on the reverse at the uh, early end of this season. Yeah, and that was quite a, a statement performance from Fulham there. It was, I think, first weekend of the Premier League season. They played each other at Craven Cottage. Well, Man City versus West Ham, this game will have implications for you personally, but also for all the teams You know, at the top of the table with, with Arsenal will have one eye on this game or both eyes on this game, considering it's a day after they play. And then for West Ham, you know, you mentioned they're probably one win away from being safe. Um, maybe not the game they would have targeted for that one win, but we've seen City 
you know, we've seen like the Crystal Palace performances against City in the past. Do you give West Ham a chance here for, for pulling one of those off? No, no, no. <laughs> Look, City are mentality monsters. There's, there's not a chance that they're going to... I don't even really see them dropping points between now and the end of the season. Guardiola is just a mentality monster. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to set up the players. And the other end of the spectrum, West Ham, they play better at home, unfortunately. Um, I, I just, I, yeah, I, for me, this game is about damage limitation. You know, with, with goal difference being so important at the back end of the season uh, and us having a pretty good goal difference in minus 10 compared to other teams, I don't want to be losing this one 4-0 or, or, or you know, 4-1 or something ridiculous like that, like we did against Newcastle. So for me, it's all just about damage limitation. Try and play your game and, you know, try not to get, you know, completely annihilated by Erling Haaland. That's pretty much what I would be looking at. It, it, it's it's one of those games you write off, I think, every season for a West Ham fan. It's it's Brighton and Man City. Those are the two games you just think, cool, that's minus 12 points. Let's just move past it. Fair. Um, and then obviously there's Brighton versus Man United. Um, for Man United, they've only lost two games in their last uh, 10 games. Brighton have obviously been playing well recently as well. It's it, It's a game that they're going to both I guess want to win it has implications for those European spots sort of third fourth fifth sixth seventh places this game will impact um yeah I'm not sure how the game will go but I think it should be a fun one yeah I think it'll be a good game um I'm honestly again I'm like you I'm really not sure what the result's going to be United have been a little bit up and down so Brighton really with uh, some of the results they've been coming up with but um yeah the very least it should be an exciting game Right, let's move on to the weekend games, the meat and potatoes, so to speak. Um, on Saturday, we ha- we don't have a 12.30 kickoff, which I um, I think is a bit frustrating, but um, we started the cluster of three o'clock games. We've got Bournemouth versus Chelsea is the first one on our run sheet here. Perfect time for Bournemouth to be playing Chelsea. It seems like Bournemouth have picked up some sort of momentum of late. Um, looking at the form table over the last 10 games and Bournemouth on seventh place. I mean, I, I can't believe it's, you know, what, 34 games into a season and Bournemouth are practically safe. I mean, yeah. I, can't, I honestly cannot believe it. They, they've got a championship side at best and uh, yeah. having to go through that transition of, of a new manager, not even a new manager, a caretaker manager uh, to take over. And we're in a season where Bournemouth have scored six more goals than Chelsea. Wow. You know, I, I mean, I, it's just, it's crazy. You see, O'Neill's done an incredible job. I honestly thought Bournemouth would be the type of side that try to grind out results. I didn't think they had the attacking prowess for the Premier League. And another in the spectrum, I mean, how do you even summarise what's going on at Chelsea at the moment? I, I, I It's hard to say. I, I, poss- I potentially would have given Potter at least to the end of the season. I don't really see the point in, you know, if you know you're going to, if you know you're going to sack Potter, then, you know, fair enough. But why do you want Lampard into the end of the season when you could have Potter into the end of the season? You know, who knows? Maybe Potter could turn all these games around and get momentum and you're like, OK, maybe you can stay in the uh, in the summer. But if you are literally just employing Lampard just to see out the rest of the season, bearing in mind you've got to buy out his contracts, uh, Potter's contract, you've got to then sign Lampard up. I just, I don't, I don't see the point in it. And then, you know, like you said earlier, he seems like he fails upwards. He just, he's gone from the, the Derby job and then he's gone to the Chelsea job. And then he's gone down again to jobs like the Everton job, and then somehow he's climbed straight back up again to a Chelsea job. And it does kind of feel like the name carries a lot of weight at Chelsea. I don't know. He would never be given that chance at another Premier League club. I don't think I don't think many Premier League clubs would have him at the moment. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of feeling a Bournemouth win here, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I know the name Chelsea. I know the name Bournemouth. It seems strange to be able to back them, but they just have so much momentum at the moment. And... I suppose they'll probably sit there and say we're not safe. You know, we, we need some more points on the board. Even though I'd argue they probably, they probably have done enough to stay up. Um, and I, you know, I think at home uh, against a team like Chelsea, it'd be a lovely sort of feather in the cap for them, wouldn't it? So I'm actually going to say it's going to be two ones to Bournemouth. Yeah, and look, based on the two teams' um, performances so far this season, I mean, Bournemouth had that little stint where it looked like they were heading down. Um, they, they almost had a an anchor weighing them down. 
um, and, and they couldn't seem to buy a result. But you see, I think they had a really good January window in terms of bringing in some exciting players, um, some attacking threat in there. Um, we obviously saw one of them score on the weekend. But yeah, I, I'm, I, it's always tough to predict Chelsea not winning a game. But then again, they haven't won a game in their last five games. So mm. based on form, I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I still think they're struggling to score goals. I'm going to go with the 2-0 Bournemouth win. I, I, I just can't see how Chelsea score goals with the way Lampard plays football. I mean, having uh, uh, that lineup that he put up um, for the weekend game is just absolutely baffling. And as you say, if it's not Frank Lampard and you're just closing your eyes and looking at the, the, the body of work that this person, this manager has produced... There's no way he's getting jobs in the Premier League. He's not ready for it. He might be in the future, you know, fair play if he gets there. But it's just incredible that he keeps getting these jobs when clearly they're far more talented people that should be getting those jobs. Um, but yeah, for Chelsea, I think the important thing is just getting through the season, hoping it ends and, and trying to find a manager that they can, they can start this sort of rebuild that they've started in January, you know, going forward. Let's move on to Man City versus Leeds. Leeds, again, a team that struggles to score goals, similar to Chelsea. Um, I'm looking at the the league table in terms of, of goals that they've, they've scored 43. Um, so it's, it's, you know, way more than Chelsea. But I do still find them struggling to score goals throughout the season. They had that 4-1 defeat to the aforementioned Bournemouth over the weekend. I think the misery continues for them here. I, I don't think it's, you know... A surprise prediction for me, but I, I think City are just going to continue to try and pile on goals and and get that goal difference. At at the very least, if if it does end up being close at the end of the season, City will win, you know, on goal difference. And this is one of those games that they can continue to improve that. My only only hesitation with going too high a scoreline, um, I've, I've gone three nil. I, I think they might slow down a little bit because they've now got Champions League coming up. They need to sort of save their legs for those those um, games against Real Madrid. So I, I can see a 3-0 win. Um, maybe, I, I was thinking maybe they might concede one at some point when they really start to ease off. I could see that happening as well. But yeah, for me, I think comfortable win for City. They continue their charge um, for another Premier League title. Yeah, I think the fact that they play midweek against West Ham probably doesn't help. And they've obviously got games coming up. So uh, I remember... Pep Guardiola being uh, quoted as saying, "I'm, you know, we're so tired, like we're we're running out of steam essentially." But they're showing zero signs of it, and uh, arguably they've got probably got the best squad depth in the league. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see like an Alvarez start against Leeds, or you know, maybe rotate a couple of players in. But I still think it's going to be um, a pretty easy game for City. Like I say, they're mentality monsters. They simply just want it more. They're just well better drilled. Guardiola's just got gotten playing some incredible football. And um on the other end of the spectrum, you know, Leeds most goals conceded in the Premier League, which I have to say is quite surprising considering you've got other teams around you like Southampton, Everton, who honestly I would argue have probably been worse defensively when you when you look at them and when you think about them as, as teams. I honestly don't feel like Leeds are, you know, have performed that poorly in terms of results. I mean, you know, Bournemouth lost like was it nine nil to to Liverpool yeah. and they're still three goals uh, less conceded than uh, Leeds so it's incredible to me I think the capitulation on the Leeds is, is really bad at the moment I'd be seriously worried if I was a Leeds fan because they're running towards the end of the season now that they've lost to Bournemouth I I, I cannot see them picking up any points um, but yeah I'm, I'm, I'm similar to you in the scoreline but I do think Leeds will probably nick a goal as they often tend to do so I'm going 3-1 uh, to City yeah that makes sense um, let's move on to Tottenham versus Crystal Palace. I, I think this game could be really fascinating because, you know, if you're looking at the, the the background of this or the context of this game, you've got uh, a Tottenham side that need a reaction. They're playing at home. Um, it seems obviously like they're a directionless club at the moment. They have these back-to-back -back games, um, well, three games in a row where they start really, really poorly. Um obviously not able to claw it back against Newcastle, but in the Man United and the Liverpool games, they, they fought back. So credit to the players for that. But coming up against a Crystal Palace side who under Roy Hodgson are 
a title contending side, it seems they can't seem to stop winning games, which is quite incredible considering, you know, when, when he left Palace and sort of retired, it was, you know, we're going in a new direction and a new way of playing. He's come back and he's playing the type of football that is the new direction, a new, new, more attacking style of football, so to speak, or at least more um, adventurous, should I say. I think there's a lot of pressure on Spurs in this game, considering it's a home game. They have to react. Um, they have to give their fans something to cheer about. They cannot concede in the first 20 minutes. That that might be priority number one, is keeping it tight at the back and being in the game at least 20 minutes in and, and not having to chase. So it'll be interesting to see sort of the how the fans react to that, because I'm assuming they'll be a little bit more disciplined, um, try, as I said, trying to make sure they don't concede, whereas the fans will you know, as home fans, we'll probably be expecting a bit more expansive football. When I went to the Brighton game, for example, any time they tried passing out of the back, Spurs, that is, the fans just were on them. They were, you know, they were groaning, moaning, you know, shouting at the players to just kick the ball away and stuff like that. It could become like that if they go too conservative at the start here and, and it could just bleed onto the pitch as it has in, in, in recent weeks. So, very interesting game for me on that one from a context perspective. In terms of results, I can see I can see a one-one draw. Um, mm. I, I I do think you know Kane's shown that he's always in with a goal at least. Maybe Spurs get two in this one with the form of Son at the moment, but I can see a one-one draw where Spurs maybe do hold them off for the first twenty minutes, start to get a bit more adventurous, and get caught on the counter attack. By by Crystal Palace, who who will invite Spurs to come onto them, and then Spurs sort of hunt them down towards the end of the game and get that that one one draw with maybe not enough time to go and get that second goal. But how are you seeing this game going? Uh, honestly, I feel like Roy Hodgson's had like an end of life crisis, and he's <laughs> he's he just thought to himself, Do you know what, sod it, sod all this possession football, sod all this like the old ways. I'm just going to produce the most attacking, brilliant side the world's ever seen. And, and, and you know, just who cares? Because, you know, when, when I was at the Crystal Palace game, the, the football that I saw them playing was just simply incredible. And yeah. I don't know if more, if um, Hodgson has come in and, and, you know, told them to play that way or, or simply said to them, look, you're attacking group of lads. I'm at the end of my career. Just kind of do your thing. <laughs> and I'll just kind of sit and, and watch and observe and, and, and let you do your thing. But... You know, the way they play through Eze, I thought Jordan Ayew was um, incredible against us. The way he sort of picked up the ball, moved it. I don't think Decore made a single mistake the entire game. Um, they've got such a easy way of playing. And uh, I just see players like, you know, Zaha back as well. I just, you know, the, the attacking football that they're playing at the moment, which is honestly, I do think the remnants of Vieira's team, I do think that is where it's coming from. He did hit a very rough patch of playing quite a few teams in the top half of the table and now Palace has got a nicer run towards the end of the season and I do feel like the football that they're playing right now is the remnants of his side um, so I think it is quite harsh for him to have been sacked and it's also you know how much do you really put on that for Roy Hodgson you know we've seen him enough years we know what's going on Roy come on yeah. Uh, but yeah for me Tottenham just are capitulating at the moment um, I've never seen a team go through a different caretaker manager I've never seen a team basically sack a caretaker manager and get a new caretaker manager in. They're just, they're in absolute turmoil at the moment. And I think there are a number of teams that would just want to see the end of this season, the back of this season. If they can nick a Europa League place, I think they'll be quite happy, all things considered. Um, but yeah, like you say, Kane's always going to be nicking a goal. You've always got to back him to score a goal, I think, Tottenham. But uh, for me, I'm, I'm going a little bit more flavourful. I'm going for a 2-2 draw. Oh, nice. Um, but I, I can honestly see Crystal Palace pegging them back twice and, and Tottenham having to chase the game once again. Uh, and if that happens, I, ju I just don't see them gaining any control. Yeah, fair enough. And with regards to, to Palace and the attacking players, I might have been, a, maybe I was a season too early because I, um, in my reckless predictions at the beginning of the season with producer Guy Drinkle, I predicted that Olisi would be leading the charge for young player of the season. I mean, we're starting to see that form now um he obviously went into the season injured and had to you know regain his form but i'm i'm enjoying watching him play now so maybe next season's the season and it it, it it's a bit weird because 
you say stuff like that and then you 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 sit back and you realize Holland is is eligible for an award like that and it, i think it's just silly at the moment um which players are eligible for certain awards and we don't get to celebrate some of these young up and coming maybe have a british young player of the year or 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 a a homegrown young player of the year because obviously Olisi has allegiances elsewhere but was a, a reading produce but yeah let's move on to the next game it's Wolves versus Aston Villa now Villa were on a charge uh recently a uh, couple of good wins good football being played they came unstuck against uh Man United in that 1-0 loss the Bruno Fernandes goal how do you see them tackling a Wolves side that is going to be reeling coming into this game I mean the the, the performance against Brighton was I found it hard to watch for from a Wolves perspective. Um, it just seemed like Brighton were on them from minute one and didn't let go. Um, obviously, the good thing for Wolves is they have a week to prepare for this game. They don't have a midweek game. But are you expecting a reaction, or is this just going from you know from bad to worse, having to play now another side in form? Yeah, I I just, I just think that. Um... Villa just they do seem a different animal at the moment uh, again Wolves will not feel that they're safe I'd argue they are because I think 37 points is going to be enough to stay up this season with yeah. the run of games that other teams have got so I, I do think they are safe and they've done quite well to do that considering the position earlier this season um, but I don't, I don't think 4-4-2 really works for them I, I, I don't I don't really see the direction with that and uh you know, their main aspect should be to control the midfield. With, with people like Neves and Mateus Nunes, that should be their biggest asset, asset the midfield. Um, I don't think they need to worry too much about going all standard and boring with a four-four-two, and also having to play off Diego Costa. He's not the same player he used to be. So, for me, I struggle to see how they score goals. Um, obviously, with big Craig Dawson at the back, I also see to struggle how they concede goals. But um, it is what it is. For me, I think Villa, again... They're pushing for that spot. They narrowly lost to, you know, one of the best teams in the country, arguably. Uh, for me, I, I I don't see anything but a 3-0 sort of Villa win. I think they get back to basics, back to how they want to play. Um, Ollie Watkins, I, I think, has been brilliant for them. And, and putting him up against someone like, you know, Craig Dawson and tired legs, I, I, I think it's going to be a bit of a write-off for Wolves once again. Yeah, unfortunately, a, a bad a bad run of fixtures for Wolves. Um, I, I agree with you in terms of scorelines. I think you said 3-0? 3-0, yeah. Yeah, I had 3-0 written here as well. And in terms of Wolves, as you said, probably one, probably safe now, maybe. But certainly you'd imagine at least a point or two, and, and that should be fine. I'm looking at their fixtures going forward. And, you know, they've got Man United after this game. Uh, which won't be easy. And then they've got Everton in what could be a game that Everton have to win to stay up. Um, we won't know what situation that will be. I guess Wolves will be hoping that, you know, by that point, Everton are, are well and truly gone because then they can at least get something from that game. But after Everton, they play Arsenal on the final day of the season. Again, a team that could be fighting for something. I'm not sure where the next Wolves win comes from. So... Mm. I think if you're a Wolves fan, you're just hoping that the teams below you sort of kill themselves. Um, because, yeah, I'm looking at these fixtures. I don't know if Wolves win another game this season. So it, it could be close for them heading into the end of the season. Um, in terms of score, as I said, I went 3-0 as well. Let's move on to Liverpool versus Brentford. Now, Liverpool obviously on this... And it's certainly being a narrative that that's being built as, as you know, this four game win streak, you know, six games undefeated. I've not been impressed with those or how they've played in those four wins. Yes, they've had spells in the games where they've been phenomenal. I mean, looking at the the opening um, 10, 15, 20 minutes against um Spurs and then obviously lost um, the, the previous game before that, you're looking at the how they're performing early in games and trying to basically kill teams off. Yes, it's been impressive, but then the rest of the games, I mean, the the rest of the time during the game, they almost seem lost. You mentioned the issues in midfield. They don't have someone in midfield when they're winning a game to just put their foot on the ball and control the tempo. 
Um, that probably is meant to be Thiago, but he keeps getting injured, so it, it doesn't really help. As I said, I'm not I've not been impressed with their their four game run. It certainly doesn't speak of Liverpool are back. Uh, in my opinion, I think they're they're far removed from the team that they were that were challenging uh, Man City recently. In terms of this game, they they I think really lucky at the time when they're playing. Brentford, obviously Brentford have had back-to-back wins, the 2-0 against uh, a poor Chelsea side at the moment. And then they came back from 1-0 to against Nottingham Forest to go and win that game. I wasn't overly impressed with Brentford in that game. Um, mm. Obviously, you look at the goals as well that Nottingham Forest conceded, you know, uh, the keeper pushing the ball onto the post, it, it, it going in. And then even the second goal, I thought the keeper uh, could have done better there. So... I think Liverpool have just been playing teams at the right time and, and that's helping them build confidence. And, um, you know, I think it was Rafa Benitez that said this to me once. When, when in, in sports, like football, where it's low-scoring games, when you're in the ascendancy, try and put as much distance as you can between yourself and the other team because there's going to come a time when they're going to have the ascendancy. And that's basically what you're trying to do. And Liverpool have been able to do that in the spells when they're, they're, they're playing well, in the tw- 10, 15, 20-minute spells. They're able to score two, three goals, give themselves that distance and sort of just hold on uh, until the end of the game, it seems. But yeah, I've, I've not been impressed uh, with them lately. I've not been impressed with Brentford lately. But as I hinted to earlier, it's three games at home for Liverpool um, I, I think they, they go and win this one. I've gone 2-0 to Liverpool and maybe that's partly fantasy related because um, the people I'm playing in around my leagues all have Ivan Tony and I don't. So if, if Liverpool can do me a favour there, then a 2-0 win would do me good. Well, what do you reckon for this game? Obviously the last game that has an impact for you with uh, Bankett or Bennett. Yeah, um, I think to be honest, the... If I'm playing Liverpool right now, the one thing I want to do is just attack, attack, attack. You you look at that defence and um, Alexander-Arnold, again, looks shaky. Uh, Van Dijk seems like a shadow of the player that he was a few years ago. And I think if there's one side who knows that concept of football better than any other in the Premier League is Brentford. I mean, yeah. they put 90% onus on attacking and about 10% onus on actually <laughs> trying to defend. They, they almost invite you to, to shoot, invite you to attack um, at the... You know, the prospect of a uh, counter attack. I've never seen a team so willing to potentially sacrifice a goal just for a counter attack. It's uh, <laughs> it's incredible football that they play. But um, yeah, for me, I think Liverpool will probably be just too much for Brentford at the moment. Um, they're on the up. Uh, I think you know that four three against against Spurs. Do do you see that as as more of a more of a relief if you're a Liverpool player, or do you see that as more of a a confident performance that you can you can put in under your belt and carry into next week. Because for me, being 3-0 up, you should never, ever, ever be conceding three goals. You should never, ever, ever, you know, especially how it was so early in the game. They had so much of the game to kill it off. And and again, I, I completely agree with you say, Tad. It is mainly because you haven't got that general in midfield who's going to try and slow the game down. And, you know, uh, for some reason, Liverpool decided to continuously play this high line against Spurs. Uh, even though players like like Son and Kane just are so good at running in behind, uh, I probably would have, you know, maybe dropped a little bit deeper and and had that player on the ball was just going to control the midfield. But yeah, I do think Liverpool playing some very good football at the moment. Uh, yeah, like but like I say, do do you see that as a positive or do you see it as more of a relief that Liverpool Tottenham result? For me personally, I see it as relief, but I I know. The way Liverpool work, I think, I think Klopp will try and highlight all the positives from it and, and spin it as, you know, we've got this new formation, new style of play with Trent sort of being, you know, the false DM or whatever. I, I don't know what they want to name it. Um, but he was on the left-hand side of the page, the right-hand side. So they will say it's growing pains of this new formation and we're winning games with, you know, through the growing pains. So it just helps instill belief. But in terms of... I'm I'm looking at this in terms of next season. Are they doing enough to convince me that by next season they're going to be challenging for the title? At the moment, they're not. They could have easily lost or drawn any of these last four games. None of them were confident performance or confidence wins. And as you say, especially when they were in positions where it could have been confident wins and performances, I think it's um, I think it's you know the mentioning that they could have dropped deeper. I mean, at three 0 
you would have thought the game would have flipped and Spurs would have the majority of the ball. Liverpool would sit back and be the ones to counter them. You've got Diaz and Salah and Gakpo on the pitch. You can definitely play counter-attacking football with that. But the insistence on not doing that makes me believe they're somewhat playing um, these games as training sessions, so to speak. I, I don't mean they're, they're being disrespectful to the league or anything like that, but sort of we need to get this formation match ready by the start of next season is what I think they're trying to do. So irrespective of game state and how the game's going, they're going to keep playing this football so that the players get used to, you know, the movement and, and how to play the system opposed to, you know, maybe dropping a bit deeper when, when you're leading and stuff like that, that you would normally expect a side to do. And as you said, a 3 not up. I mean, Liverpool have never drawn a game when they've been 3 not up. Or was it lost a game when they were 3 not up uh, at home in the Premier League? So it was a bit scary at the moment. Uh, well, for a moment there. But yeah, I, I, I've not been impressed personally. Um, I, I'm usually I'm one of Liverpool's hardest, hardest critics. I keep getting reminded though. So maybe that plays into it. Um, in terms of score predictions, what did you go for this one? I'm going for 2-1 to Liverpool. Yeah. Um, I am backing Brentford to nick a goal uh, with someone like Tony up top. Oh, don't but, uh, say that. Don't say that. I, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. I, I know you want to be hopeful, Tad, but you know, if I've got the one to ground you and, and set you up for the potential disappointment this weekend, <laughs> then you know, at least if I'm proved wrong, then it'll be a, a nicer, nicer one for you. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, after, after that shocking prediction that you've given there, especially with the goal scorer, um, I think let's take a break. We'll be back after this short break. And we are back, and that means it's time for Bank It or Burn It. Riley, we were discussing sort of the, the leaderboard at the moment for Bank It or Burn It. Obviously, Jake Jackman is currently at the top with 18 out of 25. Quite a formidable score. I think the second highest score we've ever gotten in Bank It or Burn It. I think 19 out of 25 is the highest we've ever gotten. Um, then we have three people. Um, yourself, Davina and Guy all having recorded a 16 out of 25 at some point during the season. Uh, Jackie with 15 out of 25. This is almost the home stretch. I, I don't know how many more um, chances you're going to get. Um, the games are coming thick and fast. I mean, we're, we're now in, in, in what game week 35. Um, not many game weeks mm. left. This might be your last chance. How, how do you feel? It's injury time. Uh, I mean, it is, <laughs> I, it's, um, you know, I don't. I mean, I think my debut season in Bank It and Burn It, taking joint second place, we'll call it, um, with sixteen. I'll, I'll take it. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn and grow from this season. The preseason for next season is gonna be an interesting one. <laughs> getting the drawing board out, getting the analysis out. Uh, you know, but um, look, this this one for me is a hail mary. You know, we'll see what happens. Is is is, you know, all or nothing. Twenty five or zero. That's basically what we're going for. Yeah. You might as well. You might as well go for the title or just bust. Um, yeah, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, I'm going to put 15 seconds on the clock. Riley is going to try and answer all five questions in each of the five rounds before that 15 seconds runs out. Um, I'll read each question out. He's going to shout bank it if he thinks the scenario will happen or he'll shout burn it if he thinks the scenario won't happen. Uh, it's the five fixtures that we've discussed in depth um, earlier on. So Bournemouth, Chelsea, Man City, Leeds, Tottenham, Crystal Palace, Wolves versus Aston Villa and Liverpool versus Brentford. And each of those rounds, he's going to answer these five questions. A, possession over 55% to the home team. B, over eight shots on target. C, over 20 tackles. D, a headed goal. And E, knee slide goal celebration. Um, I'm looking out the window at the weather um, and maybe looking at the weather app and thinking, you know, will the weather play a factor in knee slide celebrations? Always a consideration, Tad. It's always a consideration. It's interesting because Davina's mentioned on her one that she wouldn't think the weather would play a factor. I, I think she's wrong personally. I think if it's raining, you've got to love a knee slide. I mean, you know, we know they water the pitches uh, in the Premier League, but it just that rain adds a little bit more sleekness to it um if, if you're not knee sliding when when it's raining I, I simply don't know what you're doing but yeah let, let's get going how are you feeling um sort of bank or bust pretty much for you in this one yeah it's bank or bust i want 25 or i want zero you know that, that that's it for me and uh i feel like i've got some 
interesting games this week. Uh, there's definitely some ones I think are some some gimmies, you know, some free ones. Uh, but yeah, be very interesting. Interesting. All right. I, I think I've pretty much got the title for, for this podcast. Um, not necessarily bank or bust, but I, I think it's going to be Riley's, Riley's title or bust is going to be the title for this podcast. But let's move on to Bournemouth versus Chelsea. Your time starts now. Possession over 55% to the home team. Burn it. Over eight shots on target. Burn it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. Head a goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, we'll let the clock run out there. But yeah, you, you're pretty comfortable in terms of managing the clock um, at the moment. Let's move on to the next game. It is Man City versus Leeds. Uh, obviously a game you've predicted a comfortable win for Man City there. But uh, I think Leeds getting a goal in there. Um, 3-1 prediction from you there. All right. Your time starts now. Possession of 55% to the home team. Thank it. Over eight shots on target. Thank it. Over 20 tackles. Thank it. Header goal. Thank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. Oh. Does Marius do knee slides? He seems like a player that would. Uh, yeah, but I'm, obviously I'm back in Haaland to score, so the headed goal for me is a bit of a gimme, I think. Yeah. I think that's probably going to happen. Over eight shots on target. That's a simple one. You're against Man City. Yeah. Knee slide. I'm, well. I'm trying to think. Maybe, maybe Grealish with a knee slide. You know, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I feel like Notto as well for uh, Leeds potentially. But, you know, the, the the goal celebration has always been the dark horse. Yeah. Isn't it? And I, if I'm not seeing a player that I'm 100% certain is going to do a little knee slide, then I'm not going for it. That's a good, that's a good, good uh, methodology there. Okay. Let's move on to Tottenham versus Crystal Palace. Your time starts now. Possession of 55% to the home team. Burn it. Over eight shots on target. Bank it. Over 20 tackles. Burn it. Headed goal. Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. Oh, interesting. The possession yeah. one's going to be interesting. I think that's the one that might have you sort of with your fingers crossed throughout the game. Yeah, I, d I don't know. I, I could see it being quite like an even game but then again you know Palace do uh, prefer to sort of plan I mean it's two teams that prefer to play counter-attacking football yeah so it's uh, the possession one for me is uh, yeah it's, it's a tough one to to go for that one I'm not sure how that's going to play 55 out 55% it's at that grey area yeah it of, is like, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, done that on purpose I reckon. I, I reckon I reckon they've done that on purpose all right Wolves versus Aston Villa your time starts now possession of 55% to the home team done it over eight shots on target Burn it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. Head a goal. Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Bank it. Bank it to end it off. All right. Couple of burns at the beginning. Three banks in a row. Let's move on to the last uh, fixture that's relevant for you for Bank It or Burn It. Uh, it's a Liverpool versus Brentford. As we said, title or bust here. Um, your time starts now. Possession of 55% to the home team. Bank it. Over eight shots on target. Bank it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. Head a goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know if many Liverpool players do a knee slide, actually, at the moment. Mane was no. probably the one that, that used to. Um, may, maybe Darwin Nunes, <laughs> if he does end up getting on the pitch at some point. He almost seems to be a designated substitute at the moment. But let's move swiftly along. I think that was good. I, I think you, you were quite logical with your answers. How are you feeling? It, 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 is the weight now off, considering this might potentially be the last banquet or burn it for you for this season? I mean, look, th th there was no pressure in the first place. You know, I was allowed to just play my game. It's <laughs> yeah. just one of the, you know, it's like a City versus West Ham sort of affair. You know, you, there's not much, a lot riding on it. You know, you've got, you've got other opportunities in the future. Um, yeah, I just I just allowed myself to play my game, my attacking sort of football, um, and yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Awesome stuff. We'll we'll see how you get on. But um, speaking of being youthful, allowing you know being allowed to play your game, Arsenal travel to Newcastle now. They've obviously hit a bit of a roadblock at the moment. Results haven't been going their way in terms of Arsenal. They're coming up against a Newcastle side who. Uh, you know, looking at the form table, they're second in the form table, just behind Manchester City. Um, 
how good is this game going to be? Because the first thing I look at when I look at these um, big games uh, that involve Newcastle is, is it going to be at Newcastle or not? Is it going to be at St. James's Park? And if the answer is yes, it means it's going to be a great atmosphere. Um, it's going to be sort of the emphasis on Newcastle's crowd trying to drive them forward and, and, and get them to get the win. For Arsenal, surely this is must win. Every game for Arsenal now, they cannot afford to drop any more points, even draws in situations where previously would have been good results. I don't know if they're good enough anymore when you're facing uh, you know, Man City in the title race, um, which Liverpool fans will tell you from recent seasons, you have to win. A, a draw is pretty much as, as bad as a loss at this point in time. And they're coming up against Newcastle, who have aspirations of their own. You know, a chance to, to get into the Champions League, which probably cuts down their, their, their five-year plan by at least a year or two. They, maybe they were expecting challenge for Europa or Europa Conference and then maybe move on to Champions League. If they can skip all their other European competitions and head straight into the Champions League with the financial muscle that they have, I mean, the sky's really the limit. Uh, is, is this a statement performance for Newcastle to say we've arrived or is this Arsenal trying to hold on to Newcastle, um, to Man City, um, you know, in it's sort of a last, last act of defiance from Arsenal? I just think with the run of form Arsenal at the moment, we're trying to think in that in that dressing room who's sitting there trying to pick the players up, who's sitting there saying, "Look, we, you know, the title's not gone. You know, we still have a chance of the title, but it, it, there's no mistakes from here on in. You know, every single game we have to be perfect." I'm trying to think of that leader in the dressing room, and I'm really struggling to, Tad. I really am. I think. They've been a team that's been allowed to play attacking football with no strings attached. You know, it was a fresh season for them. Any Arsenal fan, I would have said, uh, I think despite the fact that they're not going to win the title this season, will have sat there and said that this is an amazing season for Arsenal and hopefully one where they're kind of returning to old ways. But I just, I don't see those leaders in the dressing room. I don't see, I, I see too much pressure on these young players and I don't think they're able to cope with it which is why they're starting to capitulate so badly. Um, and you know they're shipping goals for fun at the moment and Newcastle are scoring them. It, 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 besides the fact that Arsenal are second in the league and still fighting for a title, it, it's quite difficult not to see a pretty decent Newcastle result here. Um, I think the midfield for Newcastle is so strong. I, I struggle to see how they're going to deal with players like Alexander Izak. Um, defensively I think there are still some frailties for Newcastle which I think Arsenal can exploit but I, it's impossible I, I, it's impossible for me to predict this one I, I think I need your your mindset first before I make up my mind to be honest yeah I think from my perspective obviously they will be sweating on William Saliba he needs to come back as quickly as possible to sort of stabilise things at the back for them I just worry about the form of the, the Newcastle you know, forwards. I think the biggest, you know, decision is going to be: Does he start Callum Wilson and Isaac in this game, or does a Gordon come back in who had chances but missed them? Um, that that's probably where this game is going to be decided: is how clinical are those Newcastle forwards going to be? And they've shown they've been quite clinical. I think the 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 route to success for Arsenal in this game is Newcastle, as good as they've been defensively, they've still got really slow defenders. And what Arsenal do have in their attack is really fast players. Martinelli, I think this is going to be a big game for him. Um, Jesus, usually not necessarily someone that's going to run away from defenders, but you've got Saka on the other side who has a turn of pace, but more technical player. I think Martinelli is the key for Arsenal in this game, trying to get his pace in behind, getting him running at the likes of Trippier or if it's Botman or someone that he's pulled wide um, and, and, that's where I can see Arsenal trying to get a result here. I, I do think Arsenal make it competitive. I'm hoping for a fun 3-2 game. I've predicted 3-2 to Newcastle. Um, and it, that's probably the game that then goes and seals the title from a psychological perspective for Man City. I, yeah, see, I'm, I'm, I'm teetering around the kind of the 2-2. I mean, yeah. I just, I don't, part of me doesn't see Arsenal allowing themselves to at least lose a game at the moment. Sort of having that men- mentality where it, you know a-, a loss just makes them look a lot worse than if they were to draw the game. But I, I just can't look past how good Newcastle are at the moment and how well they're scoring goals, how well drilled they are. But once again, as you highlight, 
defensively they have still got some issues and, and up against players. I mean, you know, you know what Arsenal's game plan is going to be though. It's going to be possession football. It's not necessarily going to be to catch Newcastle out on the break. Um, and I think if Newcastle need to to sit in and, and sort of try and ride the pressure for a bit in the game, you know, I, I don't think they'd, they'd uh, be against that and I don't think they'd struggle. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with my gut and say 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. Just, just to go different from you. I don't want to think, you know, that I'm, I've copied the great mind of Tad <laughs> um, just by going for a 3-2. But um, yeah, I, for me, I think Newcastle could edge it, but I'm going to go for a 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, interesting. It's going to be a fun game. Probably game of the weekend for for most people. Um, I'm certainly looking forward to it. But a game that might, from a personal perspective, be game of the weekend for you, it's West Ham versus Man United. Talk me through this game. I mean, we mentioned West Ham's position in the league table. Um, is a result needed in this one, or are you more interested in the performance and, and how they play against Man United side, who, as you've mentioned, have been up and down recently, really? Yeah, this is always a weird one for me because I think at home, we always tend to turn up against big sides. No matter what sort of position we are in in the league, unless it's Man City, a big six side we always tend to play well against. And I honestly think we'll probably score first in this game, um, which is something we haven't done in a little while. But I do see... I mean, look at the way we took the game to Liverpool um, when we played them at the London Stadium. I think we are... We played different football there. But again, with this team, I'm struggling to see what the game plan is. I feel like we're sort of almost accidentally good. We're almost stumbling into these good goal celebrations. We're almost stumbling into these sort of wins. I don't see what we're trying to do. I don't see the idea of work it out to the wing and, and lump it in the box so that someone can get uh, ahead on it. I don't see the, oh, let the striker drop and bring the wingers in for, you know, to cut inside. I don't see, oh, give the ball to Lucas Piquetta and, and just let him run with it. it there's, like I said, I feel a bit accidentally good. When we win, I feel like it's almost an accident because I, I just don't see that game plan from Moyes. But we have been playing better football and I think the midfield for us is so important. I really hope Thomas Suchek gets dropped this game. I think he dropped the, the worst, best performance in Premier League history against Crystal Palace. You know, he touched the ball a handful of times <laughs> yeah. and ended up getting two assists and a goal. Um, but, you know, on the, on, Man United, <clears throat> on the Man United side of things, they're very hot and cold at the moment, I would argue. Um, but they're, they're fighting for their spot in the Champions League against... And I, and I think they'd rather come above Newcastle, obviously. Um, I think it's going to be 2-1 to Man United, but I think we will score. I, I honestly think it's going to be a similar sort of affair to the Liverpool game. I think we'll give sloppy goals away. Uh, we're going to have a good foothold in the game for the majority of the game. Um, but I just think that United will probably have just a little bit too much for us. And playing a team like City in midweek, I think, will probably drain us if we actually go for the game. If we just kind of sit back and allow them to attack us, which, which we won't, you know, we're going to try, we're going to put a shift in um, because what team wouldn't? Uh, I do see that against the City side who just control the ball so well. We're going to be chasing after the ball for most of the game. I think we'll be fairly tired um, and, and Moyes isn't one to rotate his squads either, unfortunately. So yeah, I, I think 2-1 United in this one. Yeah, and you, you've hit the nail on the head for, for me in terms of the fitness concerns after having played Man City, um, a team that's probably going to make you run around quite a bit in that game, then having to come home and, and you know, with expectant fans expecting a performance um, in a tough game against Man United. Yeah, I've gone, I've gone, I've gone 1-0 Man United. I do think you guys will put up a fight, um, but I think, I think Man United edge it again. I've, I've not been overly impressed with United, but they somehow seem to just get results at the moment uh, in, in key moments, key goals. Uh, yeah. Let's move on to Fulham versus Leicester. Oh, I, I don't know what to make of Leicester at the moment, to be honest with you. Um, I've been, you know, you, 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 I keep looking at their squad and saying, how, how is this possible that, that they're performing in the way that they're performing at the moment? Obviously, they, they haven't played this week yet. Um, so that might help them. They play tonight against Everton in that probably must-win game for both teams. And heading into this one, they could potentially have been um, leaped by Everton or they could have jumped out of the relegation zone. So from a psychological perspective, 
this you know the, that Everton game is going to be crucial to to how they walk into this game but yeah in in terms of performance in terms of how they approach a game against Fulham away from him it seems like Fulham yes they're now probably out of the European races but they've picked up some kind of form lately uh only to then get knocked down with the two losses in a row I mean the Man City one you, you take it Villa maybe you say they're the team in form it's fine but to end the season well not having Mitrovic there can they put up a performance I'm not confident I'm not confident that Fulham will be able to put up a performance it's probably one of those teams that's now edging towards the world already on holiday type of teams yeah. you're safe but you're not going to you know get European football you, 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 you know mid-table or you know 10th it's a good result for Fulham you know season back in the Premier League I, I think they'll be happy enough with that you hope obviously from a professional perspective the players still go out and perform but it seems like they're the ideal poster boys uh, for being on holiday already and this is a game that Leicester have to take advantage of. If you if you find yourself in a fixture like this, go and win that game. You're not gonna, you know, you're gonna struggle to win games in in other fixtures. I'm gonna go and give Leicester a, a two one win here. I, I think they go and 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 fight for for their place in the Premier League against a team that maybe is already on holiday. Yeah, I think so much of this rides on on the result for tonight. Yeah, you know, I, if if Leicester lose tonight, are they gonna be Thinking to themselves, oh, we're already down. Are they going to think to themselves, you know, how are we going to come back from this? And it depends in the manner in which they lose. There's so much that rides on tonight's performance. Um, for me, with it, with a two-one, I'm thinking, are oh, Leicester going to nick it? Is it going to be one-one? Is it going to be one of those afternoons where they're frustrated, they can't, you know, Madison, you know, he's one of those game-winning players, and he hasn't really turned up in the last couple of weeks. I'm trying to think to myself, are they going to nick it? And I, I just have a feeling they might. You know, my original thought was two-one, and the more I keep thinking about it, I think potentially a draw. But like you say, Fulham have very little riding on this. If Leicester have any hope of staying up or any sort of want to stay up or desire to stay up, this is the type of game where they have to say, "Look, we just simply want it more." Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna hesitantly give them the two-one win. Very strange to have a, a three o'clock kickoff on a Monday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> take me back to the world cup days but you know i don't know if that's going to have an impact on you know the how many fans are going to be at the game or or anything like that whether that's going to cause a difference but yeah for me i'm just just going to edge it to leicester 2-1 yeah and that makes the <laughs> end of the season all that more exciting brighton mm -hmm. versus everton i'm not giving as much hope to the relegation team no, in this no, one no, no. Uh, Brighton just seem to be playing really beautiful football at the moment. It, it's good to see they have the continuity, um, you know, since Potter left and, and how the positions have changed. You know, Potter was, at, you know, beginning when Potter left, you're thinking he's trying to go to bigger and better things. Brighton could be in trouble, whereas it's sort of flipped its head. Brighton are the ones that have gone on to better and bigger things at the moment. Still fighting for, you know, that Champions League spot, still fighting for European football. Fantastic, fantastic season for them, I think. Um, coming up against an Everton side who... Um, this is a horrible game for Everton. Uh, against a team that's playing really good football that forces your defenders to concentrate with that, you know, they do that slow, slow, quick, quick, slow, slow, quick, quick type of football. Um, oh, and then you see the, the performance against Wolves last time out, uh, the 6-0 win there. Um, is it harsh to go big with the scoreline here, or do you think Everton will put up? It's it's not a Goodison Park as well. Yeah, I, I do. I do think it's very hard. I'm not going for a big scoreline. I'm I'm, I'm going for two 0 to Brighton. I, you know, I, I mean, Everton are fighting for their lives at the moment. Yeah. You know, and, and they they simply cannot go down, especially with the financial turmoil they already find themselves in. I mean, this could very well spell the beginning of the end for Everton so to speak I think this is just there's so much riding on this can you really come out and lose that heavily to Brighton you know if, you, if you're not going to win you cannot lose that heavily and yeah again it all depends on Monday will they be picking up momentum from a momentous two or three nil win against relegation rivals Leicester thinking themselves look damage limitation against Brighton let's try and frustrate them a little bit see what happens or is it going to be you know, we've lost to Leicester, we need to claw back the points. It's all or nothing against Everton. We uh, Brighton, we either lose 3-0 or we win 1-0, you know, 2-0. Who, 
it's such a difficult game to kind of predict. But yeah, for me, I'm going to nil Brighton. I just they've got way too much quality for Everton at the moment. And if, if I'm an Everton fan at the moment, I am just thinking damage limitation for this game. I'm thinking let's move on to the next one. Hope to nick a draw, especially at the Amex where you know Brighton have been so commanding this season. Yeah, I, I can't see anything but a Brighton win here. Yeah, I'd I'd want to give Everton a, a win in this one, but I can't. I can't do it. I would want to give them I'm a I'm not draw. sure you do want to give Everton no, a win here. You see, this is the thing. I'm I'm one of those Liverpool fans that don't mind Everton doing well as long as they finish one position below Liverpool. Or one, you know, if it's a, if it's a final, as long as we win the final. And I'm happy for them to make the final as long as we win it. I'm happy for them to come second in the league if we come first. I think for the city of Liverpool, we can't afford to not have Everton in the Premier League. As much as we like to rib them and stuff like that, them being in the Premier League is part of the financial, you know, well-being of the city. For me, I want Everton in the league, um, just not doing well in the league because it's funny. But yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm going to be one of the few that will be sad um, if they get relegated and it's starting to seem that way at the moment. Mm. Um, I've gone 3-0 to Brighton. I, I just think this game is is too much talent, too much um, tactical genius, so to speak, from Deserby. Um, some might say, you know, Potter 2.0 or just taking Potter's, um, you know, tactics and, and, and implementing them or improving them or tweaking them. However you want to look at it, um, they're playing good football at the moment. They're playing against a team that isn't really, it's an away game for Everton. It's going to be a tough afternoon for them. Then let's move on to another sort of, certainly a distinctively relegation zone battle. It's Nottingham Forest versus Southampton. Southampton on 24 points. It's it's hard to see a future for them in the Premier League now. I'm starting to look at some of their players in terms of ones maybe you could pick up on the cheap. Um, mm. Nottingham Forest at the moment currently sitting outside the relegation zone. You've mentioned you've not been too convinced with them, uh, certainly recently. How do you see them in this game? They have to win this. If you're Nottingham Forest... You've got to beat the team that's bottom of the league. Um, oh, you have to. I mean, I mean, the running for Forest at the end of the season, they have Chelsea, which, let's be honest, it, it's definitely a winnable game. But the issue for me with Forest is that if, if they don't win by 1-0, they don't win. Yeah. So, you know, how many teams in the Premier League are you going to be able to keep quiet for 90 minutes? How many teams in the Premier League are, are going to allow you to get away with a 1-0 victory? Um I don't see Southampton being one of those teams. I, you know, I I look at their squad. I look at <clears throat> them supposedly fighting uh, towards the end of the season. Thirty-five games in, twenty-seven points. <clears throat> Is it really that unattainable for them to stay up? I mean, I had them going down at the start of the season. You know, I predicted they were going to go down. I didn't think they'd go down in this sort of fashion. Um, but then, you know, flip side, you look at Southampton's fixtures. They've got Brighton and Liverpool to finish off the season, and they've also got Fulham. So you don't actually argue that if if Southampton win this, there's more probably more of a chance of them staying up necessarily than uh, Forest with the way that they play football. I mean, look at how they played against Arsenal. You know, three goals. You you don't see that from Forest. They you know they they score the one goal or they simply just don't win. Um, and I'm looking at this fixture. I'm thinking, can Southampton score two goals? And for me, I'm saying yes. So I'm going to edge it 2-1 Southampton. I, I, th- I think Forrest will probably score. It's one of those It's one of those games where so much is riding on it. Are Southampton really going to keel over and, and allow them to win 1-0? And I'm saying no. You know, they've got a lot of attacking players. Like, always tough to predict a loss at the City, city ground, though. I do think Forrest do tend to hit that extra gear. Um but yeah, to round us off, Tad, I, I think Southampton are going to try and make the last few games of the season quite interesting. And I think they're going to win 2-1. 2-1, and that will certainly keep the hope alive for them if, if they can do that. For me, I'm, I'm going to go head-to-head on you in this one. I'm going to go 2-1 the other way. I wow. think I think the Nottingham Forest fans help drag them over the line here. Um, yeah, it, it's my worry is the, the ability to score more than one goal in this game. They're going to need it in this game. I don't think they can hold off Southampton with a 1-0 win. So I'm 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 going 2-1. Certainly will be an exciting way to end the weekend. And it, you, you're looking at the weekend, there's a lot of 3 o'clock games. Guys, go and link up with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shields. This podcast is presented by EPR Index in association with Liberty Shield. 
you can check out their services at libertyshield.com. You can save with the coupon code EPL25, gets you 25% off of your router uh, or software VPN. It's a virtual private network, which is a technology that encrypts your internet traffic to protect your online identity, hide your IP address, and shield your online data from third parties. You guys can change your location. You can avoid geoblocks um, and government-imposed restrictions to access any website. I myself have been enjoying the NBA playoffs at the moment and through Liberty Shield VPN, I'm able to watch every game live um, without a worry about, you know, whether or not I can watch it. There's a couple of 3 p.m. games on Saturday. Um, we know in the UK those aren't going to be screened. But again, through Liberty Shield VPN, you'll be able to watch all of those games. Guys, also go and check out EPL Index Shop. You can find it on Etsy. If you use the coupon code EPL10, you get 10% off at check out riley that is going to do it for another episode of a tad predictable do you have anything you want to plug put over promote before we wrap up no of course if you're a suffering west ham fan like me uh at the west ham way on youtube we do weekly videos on there discussing uh the great club that is west ham united and obviously i'm always having on twitter uh doing my thing over there awesome stuff guys um yeah as, as i mentioned Go and check out um, all of the content on the EPL Index website, their post-match reviews, previews, player performances, all of the stuff that you guys could wish for. Obviously, there is the two-footed podcast on the EPL Index network with Dave Hendrick that runs weekly. Um, go and check out the flagship shows, the EPL Roundtable, where Kev DeFries sits down with fans from around the EPL. Um, I think this weekend they were talking about... Um, Halland and, and him matching the, the Premier League goal-scoring record. The only thing I'll hold on to is that Salah still has the record for non-Premier League goals. Um, I think he's Haaland is four four goals away from Salah on that one. So Salah still holds on to something. Um, also, mm. guys, EPR Index also has a new um, podcast for um, sort of Scottish football. If you guys want to go check that out, um, it's on the EPR Index channel, as, as I mentioned. So definitely go and get the give that a listen go and follow at epl index on twitter go follow at a tad predictable on twitter give us five stars write positive comments that good stuff really really helps us out i've been to the you can find me on twitter at tad predicts huge thank you to obi semenya he's at john i empire sa and jody mckenna she's at spursy141 on twitter for our guest intros our producer behind the glass mr guy drinkle he was on leave recently um so i don't know if i can give him credit for even producing the last uh two podcasts he's at guy drinker on twitter um i guess our, our, our producer for the, these podcasts has been nina kauser she's at nina kauser on twitter um so huge thank you to her for sorting everything out for us he's been riley finch he's at finchy riley on twitter and remember chisinga perry chinoshura Kate Cancela, oh, it's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah, oh, sensational! Son had a goal and still the beauty! Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans! De Bruyne! That is what... Oh, Martinelli, gorgeous! Still going up! Oh, he's done it again! Podcast Network.